Hello, I'm Lisa Kay. And I'm Taylor Cole Longacre. And this is Intentional, Intentional Talk. Talk, a show that cares and brings positives to the air. Today, we are with the one and only Keenan Williams. <laughs> Keenan, I first met Keenan through Lisa Kay, and then Keenan since came on board and has been featured on Speak Up on Amazon Prime Video. But he has become a friend, and we are honored to get to spend a little bit of time with you, Keenan, yeah. um, to catch up with you, I'll say, and to see what light you want to share with us at this hmm. important time. Ashley. i got a ton of subjects. Ashley <laughs> Keenan, since the last time we spoke, you announced going to Washington that following week, I do believe. You had a whole new role taking place. Oh, yeah, with the, um, so the, the president, the administration, mm -hmm. created a reentry segment in the Department of Energy because energy has something to do with everything. Yeah. And so the purpose of that visit was to sit on the panel and to hear what was being uh, about to be dispersed and what the goals were, and to have input, discussion on what the importance of reentry, what that needs to look like, you know, what type of programs we needed. So it's, it's pretty cool to be involved in that. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an honor to be involved in that because yeah. <clears throat> I was not the smartest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but Keenan, your background is one, and I, I, I know you tell the story often, but I think for the benefit of our, our listeners and viewers, mm -hmm. um, as, as much as you would want to, to share a brief synopsis of what you've gone through, because that really speaks mm -hmm. to the magnitude of what you're doing today. Okay. Three minutes? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll let you talk. And you know, we... it's, no, it's really, it's, it's, it's crazy because I hate talking about me. Yeah? I hate talking about me. Mm. Uh, it helps when I think about, I'm talking about the story of God's glory. Okay, that, that, that I'm going works. to impact yes. someone with what I've been delivered from and set free from. So I have to look at that because just talking about me, I mm -hmm. hate talking about me. But you know what? It's not about me. And I love that you have found purpose in, which we all should, but some people don't. Right. Find purpose right. in what you've been through because that story yeah. has the ability to, well, have to lead people purpose. to Christ you, you and, and change lives. Yeah. The purpose is what alleviates the victim mentality. And the anger, the frustration, or the woe is me, or I can't believe it happened to me. You know, when you shift that and see that, uh, when you see it the way Joseph saw it, Joseph said, it was God's will. Mm -hmm. I'm here because it was God's will. Multiple places, in, oh, yeah. in the pit, in prison. In the pit, in prison, in the palace, you know, it <laughs> yes. was all, the whole tour was, uh, it was God's will. And so... He had no resentment for his brothers. He had no anger. He was not frustrated. He could have been. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, seeing it through those eyes, it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. The the attitude that you take on makes you realize it was never for you. It was always to be a blessing to someone else. Mm -hmm. So as a young man, mm -hmm. uh, you're an athlete. You had so many things ahead of you. I thought. And <laughs> yeah, those or, you, my or your own those plans. Were, those were my dreams. You know, those, <laughs> those were my dreams, my plans. And and there's, you know, it's always good to dream and plan. Uh, however, sometimes it's not the direction that God's going oh, to yeah. take mm -hmm. you. 
Or you can take a detour, and it can oh, take, take much longer. Yes, you can do 40 years or 40 days, you know, yeah. or four hours. Yes. Uh, you know, I detoured. You know, I detoured. Um, and so, you know, quitting high school with two weeks left in high school, joining a gang, and, and making those decisions to get involved with drugs and alcohol and, you know, then getting hooked on drugs and being arrested over 45 times, being shot six times, and and then going to prison for six years. It consumed a lot of years of my life. Uh, but once I got to a certain place and I realized that everything that I went through had a purpose, had a significance. Yes. Because I looked at every scenario, every situation and said, oh, okay, I know what I could have done to avoid it, this situation. So now let me teach someone else who's going through that. I could see people going through or on a road to something that they have no idea they're on their road to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, choosing your heroes. Mm-hmm. If I know who your hero is, I'll tell you what your future looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about who you look up to. It's all about who you're mimicking. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have to be careful who our role models are and who we allow our children to look at mm-hmm. and who we allow our children to look up to. Yeah. Yes. You know, yes. I tell people liberal Hollywood um, has been good in some ways, but horrible in other ways. Yeah. You know, they gave the neighborhood Superman and they gave the hood super fly. <laughs> oh. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah so yeah. they gave a hero that was a drug dealer, drove a Corvette, and he had a chinchilla coat, and he, you know, had the American ghetto dream. Mm. And so, so many people looked up to yeah, that and just, really thought okay. that's what a hero was. Mm-hmm. So deception is strong. I call it subliminal seduction, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, so we have to be careful with that. You know, we have to monitor what our kids look at as much as we can what they're listening to what's being deposited into their life um, so I have no regrets of what I went through because it's allowing me to see things that I've never seen before right and to do things you you have forgiven things, yes. you have and forgiven and of course I mean, <laughs> to share your story yeah. can resonate with someone else right. that might be going through a situation and your story could help them realize wait a minute and part of that healing is, is responsibility, self-accountability, saying, okay, I can no longer point the finger at everyone else. I can't say it's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's my neighborhood's fault. It's this person's fault. It's okay. These were my decisions. Mm-hmm. It's my problem, and I have to solve it. Yeah. And, and that's where the healing, when pain is acknowledged, healing begins. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that acknowledgement doesn't have to come from other people. It has to come from yourself. And so when I did that, you know, one of the first things I thought about was, okay, the police officer who sent me to prison, I need to go and thank him. I need to make amends with that department. I need to make amends with that officer because what he did helped to change my life and he did his job. So I never saw him or the police as bad people or coming at me because I was a black man. Mm -hmm. No, they came at me because I was committing crimes. But I wanted to make amends with that. I wanted to make amends with the judges, the lawyers, the people in the streets. And that, for me, brought a lot of healing. And it also created opportunities for me to go back into those places and speak to those people. So when you were out of prison, what kind of direction were you given? Before or after? after? What do you mean? I had my own direction because I knew who you I knew was. You knew what you were going to do of course. when you were released. Of course. I had dreams and I had plans. And um, You started successful businesses not long after. Yeah. First, next day out of prison, I got a job. Uh, number one, I knew I needed to work to make money. Yeah. Um, I knew that if I didn't have any money, life would be hard. So I knew work was imperative. 
and I had a plan on because uh, I, I went to school while I was in prison the last two years, and which was hard. It was hard because you know being a gang member in prison, they don't let you in school because they think you're there to recruit, you're there to hurt someone or whatever it may be. So I had to be consistent with writing letters to the warden to say, hey, I want to get in school, I want to get in school, I want to get in school, you know. Took 150 letters to get in school. And then one day I finally ran into him and he's like, okay, just don't write me any more letters, I'll let you in school. (laughs) Persistence. Persistence. And and, and education is one of the keys to, to success. Not education, I didn't need a class on how to cook a turkey. I didn't need a class on how to sew something. Those things are not relevant to me. My education was educating me into who I am. Better person, different mindset, being able to communicate with all races, creeds, colors, and on all levels of, yeah. from the ghetto to the White House. That's what we You know, need diversifying today. ourselves within our mindset was, was, was important and is still important. You know, continuing education is very important. So I still read, I still understand the importance of that. And yes, I got a job the next day, and six months later, I started my own company. I had a, my mindset was, if you don't hire me, I hire you. I don't need a job, I create jobs. Mm. I never thought like an employee after leaving prison. Or while I was even in prison, the, the, the fourth year in, I started thinking, okay, wait, if I'm the head, not the tail, if I'm above and not beneath, if, if, you know, if I'm the lender and not the borrower, you know, if I'm created out of his image and his likeness, then that means I have the ability to create and make something like me. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go create some jobs. And I was just like, you know what, you don't have to give me a job. I'll go cut yards. I could cut for $10. I can go on my, my street that I was paroling uh, to my mother's house. And if I cut every yard for $10, there's 30 houses on this side and there's 30 houses on that side. I know that that's $600 I just made and I could probably do it in three days. Mm-hmm. That means I could make $1,200 a week, which is $48,000 $48, a year I could make coming right out of prison but it was all about attitude. Attitude coupled with aptitude creates the altitude that we dream about. Mm-hmm. Most of us are unwilling to educate ourselves into the dream that we see. Therefore, we will never have that door open for us. Yeah. Or even to humble ourselves enough to do it. To say this is There's what There's an I opportunity yeah. there and yes. some people don't yeah. want to do it. Yes. Pride won't right. allow them to do it. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't have any pride. I have confidence, though. Confidence. Yeah, well, confidence. and and in him, right? <laughs> oh, I can't do it without him. I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm not that smart. You know? But there are certain, you know, there are just so many. I learned not to live on facts because facts change. I learned a lot of principles. God taught me principles. Like the law of gravity, it never changes. You, it doesn't matter who you are. If you jump off of a building, you will hit the ground. <laughs> yeah. God's not sending an angel to catch you. You know, every law has, we do have those, but they're not going to catch you. (laughs) Because there's a built in, there's, there are built in, there are laws that have built in repercussions and consequences, whether it be for something that is detrimental or it be for something that is successful. So I learned, you know, the law of place, the importance of being in the right place, the importance of understanding how do I know that I'm in the right place? Number one, favor shares with me and shows me that I'm in the right place. If there's no favor, if I'm in a place where I'm not appreciated and I'm just tolerated, I'm in the wrong place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My gift that I have will not work right there. That's why Jesus could only turn water into wine in his own hometown. And he had to leave mm-hmm. <laughs> because there was no honor. Yeah. There was no honor and they didn't believe in him. So. Being in the right place is just as important as knowing the gift that you have yourself. So I had to learn that in prison. 
what was the right place? What does that look like? What is the law of honor? You know, what does that mean? Because uh, there are places in, in life that honor will get you that your, that your gift won't get you. You know, honor creates opportunities for doors to open yeah. that sometimes we don't even deserve according to our gift or our talents. But because we've honored that individual, we've honored that department, we've honored that system, it creates a door and it opens up for you. So I learned that honor was real critical. I started honoring inmates. I started honoring the, the guards, the wardens, you know, and then <clears throat> coming out, I honored the police officers. I honored my parents. I honored my friends. Even if they didn't honor me back, I wanted to sow those seeds of honor because I realized if I sow honor in you, God will sow that back honor in me. So what I do for others, God will do for me. And I may not get that harvest from you, but it's going to come from somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you put out in the universe will come back. Always. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad. So, yeah. yes. Yeah. Wow. Keenan, what is next for you? If you could highlight a few things that you're excited um, about, things you're optimistic about. things. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to run for office. You heard it first here. Don't don't know what office yet. <laughs> I have some ideas. Breaking uh, news. It's it's important. Uh, I, I like politics because first of all, I'm not a politician. I'm a horrible politician because I say anything, right? But well, we don't <laughs> you know? need just politicians anymore. Anyway. I'm not a politician, mm-hmm. but I am a leader, and I understand that yeah. in leadership positions, you have to make decisions for people that like that you like and people that you don't like. Yeah. You have to make decisions for people that are Republicans and people that are Democrats and people that are liberals and independents. It doesn't matter. You still have to make those decisions. So being in that leadership position, it gives me an opportunity to control legislative pieces that are important to my heart, to my passion. Uh, I, I will not choose an office that is not my passion. If I can't have my passion in that office, it's the wrong office. Yeah. Because passion will keep me going when nothing else keeps me going. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And as long as I stick with my passion, God supports that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what one of your passions is for office? Well, I mean, criminal justice reform is always one okay. of my passions. Mental awareness, you know, drug, alcohol addiction, mm-hmm. uh, human trafficking, all these things are my passions that we have to. And seeing, seeing uh, minority communities have more education that will create the opportunity for more wealth. Uh, You know, I tell people, people say, well, everyone has choices. You don't know what the choices on the menu are until someone hands you the menu. Until someone hands you the menu. There are different menus provided. I know it's a burger joint. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I need to see the menu. I need to see the menu. And And people selectively show the Yes, yes, they'll (laughs) cover this part up. No, Mm -hmm. I want to see what's over here. So I want to help with that education piece in the minority communities to... Because I, I love seeing people who were counted out be counted in. Yes. And and God chooses people like that all the time. You know, Abraham Lincoln being one of my mentors and my favorite people in society, you know, most people have no idea. He failed at running for Congress. He failed at running for senator. He failed as a businessman. Abraham Lincoln failed in a relationship to where his girlfriend who died, uh, he lost his mind and was put into an insane asylum. Yeah. Most people are clueless about that. that yeah. They think that he just became the president of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. He yeah. went through some things, and There's God knew that he needed a man that could understand what it was like to come from the bottom, to go to the top, yeah. to appreciate the people that were at the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's why when he went into the White House, he didn't go through the front. He went through the back. Mm-hmm. He wanted to look at the lawn keepers and say hi. He wanted to right. say hi to the dishwashers because he was one of those people at, at one point. So when I look at his success... 
and how he didn't give up on his passion. It took him to sign the Emancipation Proclamation. It took Abraham Lincoln to embrace a man like Frederick Douglass, who <clears throat> five years prior to being in the White House was a slave. And after slavery, educated himself, taught himself how to read and write. And five years later, his speech was so articulate and so powerful. Someone said, you got to meet the president. <laughs> <laughs> We've never met a guy like you hmm. because he was passionate about freedom. Mm -hmm. He was passionate about equality. And when he met Abraham Lincoln, he didn't even meet Abraham Lincoln to per se uh, allow Lincoln to mentor him. He met him to bring make him accountable as a president until he began to spend the time with him and as he read the Constitution himself, because Frederick Douglass was also one of the first motivational speakers. People had no idea. He went on a tour speaking. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a guy that was five years prior to that, a slave, didn't know who his parents were, mm -hmm. didn't have a birth certificate, didn't know where his siblings were, didn't know where he was from, okay? But he didn't take on the victim role. That's why uh, Frederick Douglass said that, who's another one of my heroes, he said, I know no laws of, a, of humanity in particular that supersede the humanity itself, something like that. And he was saying that because he understood that when blacks were set free from the emancipation, he knew the importance of them not feeling like victims, not taking on the victim role, mm -hmm. the victim mentality. Like we see right now, everybody, right. oh, woe is me, I'm a victim. Yeah. I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. Nothing yeah. stops you in America but you. Right. We have every opportunity to become successful in America because America is America. It's built great. on a smorgasbord of people, you know, our forefathers. I'm talking a lot, educating people a lot on, on our forefathers. And because I'm, I'm going to ask you guys a question because this is another one of my favorite subjects. Uh, and, and I started really studying this when, when <clears throat> some of the issues came up about, you know, African-Americans and black. Because I'm big on don't call me an African-American. I'm an American. I don't know anything about Africa. I'm American bred, raised, born right here. The good, the bad, the ugly, the mistakes, the accomplishments, the successes. So when you call me an African-American, you're taken away from my Americanism. You're saying to me, well, you're an African, but you're an American. No, I'm an American. I don't know anything about Africa. If I wanted to be an African, I'd go back to Africa. But I'm not. I'm an American. And so share, I'm sharing with minorities and both minority communities and white communities you know, question, let me ask you this. When do you think the very first judge was elected to the United States of America? He was a justice of the peace. When would you think? Just when, when? would you think? Yeah. Year? What year? Just guess. <clears throat> 1956. Guess mm. year. I think just a little earlier. Justice? Ju he was a justice of the peace. He's a judge. Yeah. 18. Se 1768. <laughs> 1768. Hmm. Most people are clueless that when George Washington was fighting in the Revolutionary War, he had two black men that sat on his general council. Hmm. Two free black men, Prince Whipple and James Armstead. Hmm. They were in the council with George That's Washington. Wonderful. Peter Salem, who will receive 14 accommodations for the war. Hmm. We all, in, in, in that revolution, all Americans came together, black, white, even women, the, the Europeans painted a picture, the picture of the Delaware, George Washington crossing the Delaware. If you go back and look at that picture, you will see at the front of the boat are two black men. In the middle of the boat, there's a woman. The Europeans painted that because they wanted to encourage the other Europeans by saying, look what the Americans have done to win the revolution. Hmm. They all came together. Yeah. 
These are things that are very important for everyone to understand that, hey, look, we've all fought together when we got away from British rule for America to become a greater place. Mm -hmm. We don't need to tear down statues. We may need to add some statues. Yeah. And even at a time, though, Keenan, when when blacks weren't considered 100 percent human, that's not when true. women had. The... Are we going to address that? We're going to address that. Okay. Okay. That's the two. That's the three fifths thing. Okay. I'm going to address that. Okay. We'll talk about that. See this, yes, talk about when women couldn't vote. So you could be at the okay. front of the boat and you could be looking pretty <clears throat> and saying, hey, we've got your right. wives here or we've got mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. available to you, single mm-hmm. men, mm-hmm. but you they don't have a voice or they right. can't use their voice. And in some countries, in it's still that way. You know, America's had to grow. But I want to address the three-fifths thing. Okay. Because I hear people talk about that all the time. (laughs) Blacks are only three, we were considered three-fifths human. That is not true. This is where that comes from. When the Constitution was written, do you remember the piece where it says that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Mm -hmm. It didn't always say that. It said something else prior to that. It used to say we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. It was changed from property because the deep south states who still had slavery. It were considered property. Said that, And so the Republican Party said, no, the North, you're not going to consider slaves property. Because the point was they wanted to consider slaves property so that they can get a congressional seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was all about yeah. a vote, yeah. okay? Yeah. yeah. So then the Republican side says, okay, if you want to consider them property, we're going to count our buggies, our horses, our 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 livestock should count. We're going to count our (laughs) livestock. We're going to count everything. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, whoa, you can't do that. So, well, neither can you. So they changed it to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, it goes on a little further. So then the Deep South state says, well, we want a congressional seat for every 30,000 Slaves. The Republican side says, you're not getting a seat for every 30,000 slaves. But what we will do, for every 30,000 slaves you release, we will give you a congressional seat. Mm. It was their way of implementing Mm. Mm anti-slavery. So you release the slaves and we'll give you a seat. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. Mm. So then it came to this. We tell you what, because they couldn't stop. They could only stop so much. So it came down to, I tell you what, what we're going to do. You could take all of your slaves together, and we will only count three-fifths of your slaves to get a seat. Mm. So it took it from 100% down, and it cut it down by 50% because of the three-fifths law. Mm. That's where the three-fifths came in. That's where it came in. It was never about a person An not being human. An individual person. It was, it was never, yes. It, it was a community. Uh, based on a community that we're only going to count three-fifths because, again, they wanted a congressional seat to keep pushing slavery. But the other side was saying, no, we're not pushing slavery. That's why we broke away from British rule, because Delaware, Rhode Island, and New York had started setting slaves free, and the British said, you can't do that. And America said, we can do what we want to do. And that's what started the war. Does that make sense? It makes it makes great that sense. That kind of stuff, when I learned that, I was like, whoa, yeah. okay, this yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, Paul Revere, we all read about Paul Revere. We're getting on my favorite subject right now. Okay. <laughs> one of my favorite subjects. Just because of what's going on in the world, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, we all know about Paul Revere. Mm-hmm. He's in our books. Well, Paul Revere was not the only one 
saying the British are coming. Did you know that? There was a black man, his name was Wentworth Cheswell. Paul Revere wrote to where John Adams and John Hancock were fighting with Reverend Jonas Clark's church at the Battle of Lexington to say the British are coming. That's the only reason we know about him. Mm-hmm. But Wentworth Cheswell wrote the other way saying the British are coming. Mm-hmm. Both had the same position. Reverend Jonas Clark was a pre- pastor who in the middle of church told his congregation, they're here and it's time to fight. Mm-hmm. And the men got their guns and they walked out of the church and they went to war at the Battle of Lexington. Here's the crazy part. Reverend Jonas's church was a mixed church. It was a mixed church. Yeah, yeah. But see, the sad thing is not talked about. History books don't say this stuff, and, and we have our, to change that. Yes, our our educational People system will feel the way that they feel if they knew that. Hey, whoa! Yeah. Quit trying to make our forefathers look bad. Yeah. Matter of fact, Abraham Lincoln spent three hours with Frederick Douglass while the governor was outside waiting to talk to him. He said, "No, no, no. Let him wait. This is my friend Frederick Douglass." When Abraham Lincoln was about, he thought he was about to lose the second term. He calls Frederick Douglass and says, calls him, has him to come up. Says, I need you to get as many slaves as you possibly can to the Union so we can set them free because I'm probably going to lose. Hmm. And if I lose, the Emancipation of Proclamation will not take place. Well, he won. Mm-hmm. So at the celebration party, Frederick Douglass goes because he hears he wins and he wants to go celebrate with him. And he gets there and there were some guards that wouldn't let Frederick Douglass in. They said, come follow us. So they take him in and then escorted him out of a window. Yeah. Frederick Douglass gets word to Abraham Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln says, let him in. He walks in. Abraham Lincoln stops the party and said, this is my friend Frederick Douglass, who I trust more than any other man in this room. Mm These things are not talked about. They're not talked about. It's American history. Did you know that there was a book in 1955 taught, textbook taught in the schools on the black American patriots of the revolution? I've heard that. I've heard that because of the um, African, African American in Museum. In, they were in, in school. Yeah, here. It was taught in school. In 1913, when the first Demo- when, uh, Democratic president, Woodrow Wilson, got into office, mm-hmm. he kicked out over 1,500 blacks from the White House, in office, except one. And then showed the very first movie, America, the Birth of a Nation, which is a movie on the Ku Klux Klan. And erased a lot of history. These are things that we need to know because people are clueless. So you heard a little more of my passion. My passion is shifting a little bit. I think so. Because I want minorities to know, and I want want whites to know that no. I mean, Sir Lemuel Haynes was a pastor, the first, first black pastor to be ordained in America. He had five white churches, <laughs> all white churches. Hmm. He had five all white churches. Hmm. Is that crazy or what? Yeah. Oh. America is a great place. We have to come back together. Yes. Right now is the time. Yes. Instead of this division, yeah. come together as one fight for the freedom of our country. And we got to stick with this Constitution. Because if we get away from the Constitution, we're going to get away from being Americans. That's right. And we'll start looking like communists. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. This is good, Keenan. Wow, very powerful. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. I've learned something. It's real stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's real stuff. And that, that's that one of the stuff. things I've been saying is there's there's several steps. But one is first recognizing where you're coming from. 
Yes. You know, there's some things that we have to learn about ourselves, mm-hmm. maybe biases, maybe um, things that, that and we have been. That. And yeah. embrace that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't need, you know, really for me, I didn't need to know things about history of blacks. For me, nobody has to tell me that my life matters. I don't wait for someone to tell me my life matters right. because that means that you have a right to tell me that it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. My life matters because of what God said. Yeah. He said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know the very hairs of your head. They're all numbered. I know that I'm a son and I'm an heir. Those are things that make me know that I matter. So I didn't have to have that to feel significant in this world. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to have the history of the, the blacks in America. My history is in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, he said that old things have passed away, all things become new. You're a new creature right now. So my past didn't even matter at that point. I took on the thing that Paul said. He says, this one thing I do, I press forward. I forget those things that are behind, and I press forward towards the mark of the prize. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to be in America. Let's just, we can't erase our history. Our history tells us where we've been and where we're going. My parents were not good parents but I don't want to get rid of my parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I love my parents. Yeah. I forgive my parents, but they remind me yeah. of what I never wanted to be as a parent. Not saying that they were bad, but they were examples for me in that way. And now they're great. Both of my parents are saved. Uh, uh, my dad voted for the first time. And, you know, some both, my dad saved. And let me tell you something, that was a hard deal right there. Hmm. But now when I talk to him, all he talks about is his son, just be ready for Jesus. Hmm. And it tri- and matter of fact, we say we love each other now. My dad never told me he loved me when I. My dad probably said he loved me one time, up until I was forty nine, fifty years old. Hmm. Now we both say it every single time that we talk. So that's good. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And that's the other piece. It's about unity and having conversations like this. Hard conversations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And sometimes yeah. these aren't easy to have. Mm-hmm. They're not easy conversations to no, have. They're not. Um, you know, they're not easy. Our families. But they're necessary. They're necessary. They're necessary to build understanding and to speak the truth, God's truth, in love. Yeah. Because um, if if we come at it with hate and with anger and, you said and resentment love. and you in said love, in love. I, you know what? I see so much. So many remarks and replies and statements that people make through social media. I never respond to that stuff. Yeah. Simply because, you know, if I oh, yeah. give hate with hate, I'm right. breeding hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing that overcomes hate is love. And sometimes people just want to express how they feel, but they feel that way because they've been thinking a certain way. Yeah, it's deep in their heart, and that's where I talk about go, getting back to the root of it. Because if, yeah. if you've got this heart, this hurt, and this anger, and this resentment deep down, we're going to need to. It's not going to go away right away, but no. it's because I treat you kindness and mm-hmm. love. It's going to come out when you're angered or when someone when else posts, or when you get squeezed. You get squeezed. Yeah. All you got to do is get squeezed. Yeah. What's in you will come out it's of you. I promise out. you. It's coming out. Well, Taylor and I definitely hope that through intentional talk, mm-hmm. we're going to bring more awareness to, or hopefully bring that bridge together. Those hard conversations. Yeah. We want to build a bridge. That's pretty cool. And it's a very intentional bridge where, you know, minds may not be changed, Mm -hmm. but we definitely want to have a conversation based on truth and love and to show people there's another way to talk about it. There's a a better way to address it. There's a way to fight. Mm -hmm. There's a healthy way to fight and there's an unhealthy way to fight. Yeah, that's good. There's a healthy way to debate. There's an unhealthy way to debate. You know, we, you know, one of the things I believe that immediately when you criticize someone, when you criticize someone, you cut off your opportunity to influence that person. Mm-hmm. So we have to decide. 
uh, are we here to influence? Are we here to burn bridges and put people down and belittle people and, de- and, and degrade people? That's not what leadership is about. You no. can't do it on your own. You no. have to have a team, an army. Yes. And the army is all of us t- together. And it's God's way. Yeah. All lives matter. Yeah. All lives matter. Yes. But in your education today is, wow, what a great way to enlighten the situation. Not enlighten, but you brought forth some information. We have to evolve in education. Yes. And dealing with crisis situations. A crisis is not a bad thing. No. Do you know the Chinese and uh, they have added a character in the crisis and their definition? Mm. And it says opportunity. Really? Yeah, that that is what crisis brings. It does. It's an opportunity. But but you can take that opportunity and turn it into a, a devastation, yes. or you can or you yes. can move it forward and say, look, I can create from this. I might be able to Are build something me? from yes, this. Yes, we're in a great place right now. There are a yeah. lot of vulnerable people that need leadership, mm-hmm. and so we can we can do a lot of healing. And sometimes just saying, man, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't know. I was wrong. It doesn't matter whether I'm right or I'm wrong. I apologize. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's not about who's right. It's about what's right. And there's a lot of hurt. There's a definitely a lot of hurt out there now. And yeah. I think that people don't know even how to express. Hurt people hurt other people. Yeah. They're, they're hurting yeah. other people. They're, they're, um, they're just doing some things that aren't going to be helpful to mm-hmm. the situation, but they don't know how. And so I think building bridges. They don't know bridges, how to express it. They yeah. don't know how to express that. Yeah. Building bridges um, is, is one of the ways that we feel like we can be a healthy part of the conversation. Yeah. And we invite you to stay part of this with us because yeah, you've course, opened our eyes you? and helped us already. Yeah. Which we knew you would, Keenan. We knew Keenan would be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> we do it. We want to thank you, Keenan, for joining us for Intentional Talk. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that.